What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Advantage Truck Group is a Freightliner, Western Star, and Isuzu dealer. We provide sales, service, parts, leasing, rental, on-site maintenance, but the differentiator is the people. The people that are behind those wheels, the way they're trained, our road guys, they're 25 plus year guys with us. It's so powerful to come out and talk to the industry. People don't know us. People need to know us. America needs to know us. And I'm not talking ATG. I'm talking the industry. We've been the frontline people for hundreds of years. 70% of everything that we touch, that we wear, that we sleep in, whatever, has traveled on a truck. The pandemic just didn't make us frontline people. That's right. That's right. We've been frontline people forever. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode. And I am in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. I am here at Advantage Truck Group with their CEO, Mr. Kevin Holmes. Kevin Holmes, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Ramel. Thank you for uh, having me on the show today. Ah, uh, man, thank you for allowing us to come and be here. Beautiful facility. Uh, you guys look like you're doing a ton of things. Uh, not only selling trucks, but it looks like we have like an education center here for technicians and so forth. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, a lot to talk about in the industry right now, especially with uh, you know shortages. There's been issues with trucks, right? So we want to talk about the dealership side, and like I said, we want to talk about technicians. Huge demand for technicians as well. Um, but you built your business from the ground up, so so I hear, right? So Truck and Hustle is an entrepreneurial podcast. We love to talk about that grit, that determination, that entrepreneurial story. So I think you'd be the perfect person to kind of touch on that. So kind of talk about your background, where you from, and just kind of get into how you got started in this industry, man. Sure. So probably think it's crazy, but uh, started around uh, sixth grade. Uh, <laughs> okay. Building uh, AMT model trucks uh, was my passion. And what I would do is I would look at uh, you know, local companies that had uh, specific trucks, and I would mold the AMT models to those trucks. Mm. So uh, that's where the truck passion began. Got it. Uh, was your dad or anything into trucks? Like, what, what? Believe it or not, no. my dad was in the food business. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, actually, it's just... Just in you. You got it. Yeah. So uh, 13, 14 years old, started reconditioning cars in my driveway in the city in Rosendale, Massachusetts. Grew up in the city. Okay. And uh, had local trucking customers bring their trucks to me as well as their cars to detail. At 13, you said, right? At 13, All right. yeah. So uh, the city street, it was Rosecliff Street in Rosendale. And Saturday mornings, you used to have a line. You had a couple of tractors there. You may have a dump 10-wheeler there. Uh, and they were there to be detailed for the weekend. And they'd come and pick it up. And... Uh, Fortunately, back then, uh, obviously in the 
the early 70s, mid 70s, you didn't have neighbors that complained about large <laughs> trucks and, right. and smog and et cetera, et cetera, which we know aren't all true today, right? But uh, needless to say, uh, yeah, so it was called Kev's Car Care, and uh, that's where that piece of it began. Okay. So. Okay. So you started early, 13 years old. All right. And you're detailing trucks. Yeah. So uh, from there, uh, there was a local contractor that uh, spent a lot of time with, uh, learned how to work on equipment from there, and uh, was attending Catholic Memorial High School in West Roxbury at the time. And uh, they, uh, you know, what's going to be interesting, I think, later on as we speak about uh, the perception of the trucking industry, right? That uh, the, the brothers there, they were Christian brothers, and they were all focused on, you need to go to college, you need to go to college. Right. And quite frankly... I did not go to college. Uh, I, I was self-taught in the industry and, uh, again, loved what I was doing. And from there, uh, again, uh, 1984, started my own business in a service station in Ashland, Mass., where I live today. And uh, with $12,000 of life savings at the time, <laughs> it was myself and a gas pumper. So okay. I was the mechanic and we had our gas pumper. $9,000 of that uh, money went into the gasoline in the ground and 3000 went to rent and mm. there was no working capital. Wow. So needless to say, uh, it, was a, uh, it was an interesting beginning, but uh, in 1986, uh, we had an oversized bay at the gas station that I used to do diesel work in. And that's when the neighbors began to complain. <laughs> so had to... Uh, we had a move off of uh, Homer Ave, where the gas station was, up into a suburb of Ashland. Uh, and the only way that we could uh, bring customers into our facility was through road service. And it's interesting because today, that's something that people think is cutting edge to have a road breakdown truck and so forth. And quite frankly, it's just, that's the way we began. We had to get the customers to us. They couldn't find us without us being out on the roadside, bringing them in. So, right. uh, again, predating, but Munson Transportation, Anchor Motor Freight, Leaseway Motor Cars, they used to haul GM product and their uh, manufacturing facility was, one of their manufacturing facilities was in Framingham, Mass. And we used to do all the, the car carrier work. We'd weld, we'd repair, we'd chase them all through New England uh, myself and gentleman that uh, runs our leasing division that's been with me for 37 years. It was he and I in the road trucks. And when we take a tour later on of the dealership, I'll show you the first two road trucks that we used to chase those trucks with. So okay. needless to say, uh, 1990 came around and uh, the opportunity arose that uh, the, co the company that had the Freightliner franchise, they were going to become a Ford de dealer development store. And uh, Ford obviously didn't want Freightliner dual branded at their factory store. Right. So the parts manager there gave me a call one day and said, hey, listen, this may be coming of opportunity. And we did a lot of parts business with them on the independent repair side. And that's where it all began. 1990, uh, we became a parts and service dealer for Freightliner uh, in Southboro, Massachusetts. That was our first location on what you would call a major route, Route 9. And uh, from there in 1994, we took the full line of sales on and there hadn't been a Freightliner dealer in this market for eight years. So you can imagine what it was like to go out and promote the Freightliner product, try to find those Freightliner 
customers. So right, right. point being is uh, it's always been a challenge for us. And I think that's what drives us because nothing has come easy, nor what I expect it to. But uh, what's come out of that when you think of 1984 and you think of today from myself and a gas pumper to Advantage Truck Group today uh, here in Shrewsbury is the the central office, and then we have eight locations that uh, span New England, all wow. being on major routes. And uh, we employ over 400 members and managers today. So wow. uh, again, uh, it's interesting to look back uh, because how we did it, I don't think you'd be able to duplicate <laughs> today. Yeah, but uh, it's been a it's been a uh, it's been a great great. Uh, opportunity for myself, for my family, for the members and managers of this company. And uh, having started from the, the ground floor, I think I have a different perspective uh, on people, quite frankly. And uh, without good people, we can't do anything anyways. We know that. And most importantly, our customers can't keep rolling down the road without confident people working on their equipment, uh, trained, certified, and most importantly, with an attitude that they want it fixed right the first time and they don't want it coming back because we don't want it coming back to the dealership because the truck is not rolling. It's not making money. So, yeah. And it's interrupting their customer. So we are, we are that extension to their customer. So that, it, it's, a, you know, it's a pretty simple concept. Uh, however, sometimes people don't really grasp that. So, Got it. Well, amazing story. Um, Advantage Truck Group. So just, just so the audience has context, what is all the services that you guys offer today? Sure. So uh, Advantage Truck Group is a Freightliner, Western Star, and Isuzu dealer. And uh, we provide sales, service, parts, uh, leasing, rental, on-site maintenance. We run on-site maintenance vehicles, which we call Warranty on Wheels. So they'll go to our customers' locations. If there's recalls, if there's campaigns, uh, we'll do them all on our customer's site because we don't want to inconvenience the customer because, as you know, uh, having two people, one drive the truck to the dealership and another one chase them, it's a it's major cost. Yeah. And it's a major liability. As we know, each time these wheels turn on the, on the trucks, whether it be your car, truck, otherwise, it's a liability. So we try to reduce that. We try to reduce the cost to our customers, uh, be unique, and we also run 24-7 roadside. And that's why I was mentioning that to you earlier. Yeah, uh, It's nothing new. Uh, <laughs> and, and quite frankly, early on, it was a benefit uh, that we offered that many didn't. Today, there's many people that offer roadside service and on-site service as well. Yeah, But the differentiator is the people, the people that are behind those wheels the way they're trained, uh, again, our road guys, they're 25 plus year guys with us. So again, they're going out. We don't own our own tow trucks purposely. Okay. Uh, we utilize tow services, but our rate of repair on the side of the road is about 95 to 97%. Okay. So we know when we roll, we're going to get you rolling Got instead it. of getting out there and saying, sorry, we're going to have to hook it anyways. Yeah. You said purposely. What, what was, was that about? Why don't you guys own your own tow trucks? So when our road trucks go out, they know that it's not just another, well, we can send our 
tow uh, truck because it's another money making like another like a monopoly or absolutely something like yeah that. another another function to make money for the dealership Got and it. i don't want our customers feeling that way makes sense so uh yeah i, I again so we uh you know, we carry some large inventories on those road trucks, uh, and it's not just for Freightliner and Western Star. We're carrying all brands. If we, for example, we do uh, business with the large leasing companies, and if they have a fleet, uh, and we've seen it in the past that have had faulty water pumps, we'll carry the water pumps right on our trucks, and we'll do it on the side of the road for them. So, mm. again, uh, just understanding that we're an extension to everybody's customer. Yeah. No matter what vocation it is. Yeah. If that truck's not rolling, that material can't get to the job site. That freight can't get to the pier. That again, it, it's a cycle, right? Yeah. And yeah. So for sure. And and then you you didn't mention you guys also have like an academy for technicians or how how, do, how does that work? Because I see you have a school here, you got some computers, some yeah. classes, some simulators. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So uh interesting enough, and this goes back again to when road trucks weren't uh you know, popular, uh, neither were training facilities for single roof dealers. This training center that we're sitting in today, this is our, our training repair center. Uh, we have our classrooms that are behind you, Remo, and uh, we seat 12 uh, technicians a class. And again, how that all began is we saw that, as I mentioned earlier to you, the importance to our customer is our people have to be highly trained and ready to go. And when we're, uh, you know, we have new equipment coming in from the factory all the time. There's, there's times that, quite frankly, <clears throat> you know, we're seeing it before anybody else does what that issue may be. Right. We have to be cutting edge because, again, we are that, uh, that location that our customers are depending upon and uh, important for them to have leading edge technology and certification from our from our technicians. So again, classroom setting, uh, our training director, he was our service manager for double digit years. Uh, been our training director now for 10 years. Uh, so what we do here is we do, we train our own technicians for the network. We train other dealers technicians through, you know, uh, affiliation and uh, you know there's a uh, web portal that uh, they go to <clears throat> and if we have availability in our class they're welcome to train here uh, we bring our customers technicians here and we train our customers technicians mm. so it gives them the ability to feel comfortable working on our equipment okay and technology and um, then we also which i'm sure we'll talk about later here uh, our interns and apprentices that come from the technical schools. They may be technical high schools or they may be post-secondary technical schools. Uh, we train those students up. Proud to say uh, we have a technician uh, here that uh, was a four-year graduate and we had a, we had a uh, unfortunately so it was during COVID yeah. and uh, he was unable to uh, have his graduation day in June. So we had it in September. He had no idea what we were doing, but brought a couple of food trucks in here and, and uh, uh, Worcester uh, student came from high school, no technical background. Uh, he's a certified technician on the main, on the main uh, floor in the front shop. Wow. And uh, there's many success stories like that, but I, I only mentioned this one to you because uh, while I was standing at the podium and he had no idea the day was for him. Uh, <laughs> so we, we 
We presented him with his diploma. We presented him with a nice uh, plaque and tool. And uh, when we were done, when we were walking across the parking lot, he said, you know, my dad is going to be so proud of me. <laughs> and, nice. and those are the type of times that you look and you say, that's what we do this for. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned to you the training portion of it because today we have we have large dealers in the Midwest and and uh, such that, uh, you know, they may have four or five trainers on for their training centers. So, again, uh, Daimler uh, actually looks for us to make the investment in training at right. our in our in our stores and uh, rightfully so. Uh, we represent the brand. We should be prepared. Our technicians should be prepared, and our customers should. Uh, and like I say today, uh, it's not what our customers expect. It's what they demand because mm. their back is always up against it, right? That's right. And uh, so the cost of equipment today, uh, the cost of, of downtime. So that's what we do here in the training center. You mentioned the simulators. We have the Cascadia simulator. Uh, pretty neat. We have a P4 Cascadia that you're sitting in front of. We have our new 49X here that I'm sitting in front of. So uh, uh, really, really neat technology that is built into this equipment. And when I say neat, safe, efficient, clean. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to make this statement here that the exhaust that comes out of these tailpipes today or stacks today is cleaner than the air we breathe. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's, we, a, that's a big statement. Yes. So <laughs> we've come a long way. Wow. And, uh, and we'll continue to do that uh, with leading edge technology. You know, you hear about battery technology and EV technology and uh, everything that's happening in that, in that world. Um, but again, there needs to be a bridge to get there. We right. can't just push out the fossil fuel, the internally combusted engine, and just bring in electric vehicles. Right. It's impossible. It won't happen. Right. Okay. You mentioned customers um, a bunch of times, right? It's all about the customer. So who, who is your customer? Tell me, what's the, what does your, your typical customer look like? So our typical customer, uh, there's many that, that have large road customers. There's many that have large regional customers. Uh, there's many that have large vocational customers. What's interesting about New England is we have a mix of everything. <laughs> okay. okay? Uh, needless to say, uh, we have 30-year relationships with customers. Uh, Oil Transportation, for example, uh, they're a company that we've done business with for over 30 years. Second generation there now. Uh, and uh, amazing to see the advancement in the fleet the equipment that they run. However, what's very interesting is ever since we've been doing business with them, it's always been them looking for state-of-the-art equipment and always being on the leading edge. And that they have been. Uh, obviously, when you're hauling uh, sensitive material for the government, when you're high, you know, hauling high-cost um, pharmaceuticals and such, you need that safety and technology. You need to have a fleet that is up, running, uh, and and fully engaged with their customer, and they are that fleet. Yeah. So they are a road fleet of ours that you would call a road fleet. Uh, then we do business with uh, the likes of stop and shop companies, which are an hold grocery company, and I, they're a fleet out of Freetown, Massachusetts. We have our Rainham dealership that's uh, brand new to the South Coast, South Shore that we just built two years ago. That's a 30,000 square foot facility uh, serving south of Boston. 
the South Coast, which is New Bedford, Fall River, and Rhode Island, and then we take it on to Cape Cod. So mm. uh, that was the purpose of putting that dealership up there. So we're two exits away from Stop and Shop. They have about a three hundred and fifty to 400,000 uh, square foot distribution grocery facility there. So that's a regional fleet per se. Then we get into the vocational and municipal business. And that business here in New England, especially Massachusetts, is a business that we highly engage with. So gravel haulers, uh, asphalt, bituminous companies, uh, and not just the Massachusetts, New Hampshire as well, our Manchester location, uh, the like the companies such as GMI, uh, they're a asphalt hauler in, Ma uh, in Ma New Hampshire that we do business with, about 30 plus trucks in that fleet, 4,700 Western stars. Mm. So again, uh, just was out with the owner and uh, his vice president taking a ride through their their facilities, whether it be their their bituminous plant, whether it be their sand uh, pit, just getting to feel what they do every day yeah. so you get to know your customer better. Yeah. That's what we do here. It's not just a matter of that vanilla truck that's on the front <laughs> line like it used to be. And, right. if you, and if it was in stock, that's what the customer was going to receive. Well, right. those days are long gone. It's funny you say that because my next question was actually, actually going to be like, how involved are you strategically with your customers, right? Like a uh, 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 carrier like Boyle Transportation that you mentioned, right? You've been working with them for 30 years, right? So how, are, how do they engage with you? Are they talking to you periodically? Are you keep letting them know, hey, this is coming up, this is what's happening? How do you engage with them to keep that relationship for so long? So again, uh, like I said earlier, you have to live with your customer and you are your customer's consultant today. You're the transportation consultant or, or vehicle consultant for that customer. And that's why you have to know the customer. You need to know whether it's a DD13 product, a DD15 product, could it be an X15 Cummins? What is it? Is it an automated transmission? Is it an automatic transmission? Do they still have drivers that are chauffeurs that still want a manual transmission? Uh, again, as we know, gear ratios, uh, peak performance for those over the road customers, such as the boils, very important with aerodynamics, not as much naturally with your municipal and vocational customers, okay? But role stability, all the ADAS uh, equipment technology that we have built into our trucks, making it a safer environment for the motoring public, for our professionals that are behind the wheel, whether it be male or female, right? It's, right. It is it is a, an amazing uh, uh, transition to see the number of women we have driving trucks, today, which is which is cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we actually have uh, three apprentice women here that nice. are technicians. Nice. So uh, great to see. Uh, really like to see that. So uh, when you ask who are our customers, there's many, but uh, Gil Lopes, again, another one in, in Taunton that's running 4900s, the legacy product of Western Star, now took his first delivery of a 49X triaxle that was on demo with him for over six months. And now he's taken delivery of some new 49X tractors. So uh, Gilly runs about 100 trucks in that Western Star fleet. So big Western Star customer. Yeah. Uh, and again, Gilly, Gilly's a guy that you go and visit him. He's in work jeans. He goes <laughs> to his barn. That's his, uh, that's his resting place. When I say resting place, he's always tinkering with, uh, whether it be rebuilding parts, whether it be rebuilding trucks, really neat. Again, 
that's how you get to know your customers, right? Yeah. What do they do? And, and again, uh, that's what we do. And when I say we, I speak with a mouse on my shoulder, right? <laughs> that's what our people do. And I do as well. Yeah. But, uh, and it's really fun. That, that's why, I, you know, you talk about the passion and, and how I, why I'm engaged the way I am, right? I'm 61 years old. I still have uh, about 10 years to go before I uh, will give up the president's seat. But um, like I said, that's what drives me every day. And, and what drives me more is being as fortunate as I am to have the people that work for us. Got uh, it. I love it. I love it. What are, what are some of the common challenges that your customers are facing today? Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, everybody's facing higher costs naturally, yep. uh, whether it be cost, whether it be availability of product. And I'm not just talking truck, I'm talking tires, I'm talking components. Uh, the, the chip piece of it that you heard uh, really crippling the automotive industry, it did us uh, for a while, but I think we're, we're getting by that. And the one thing that I will, uh, again, say for Daimler, whether it be the Freightliner product or the Western Star product, what we've been very fortunate with our manufacturer is that when they have told us a truck is going to be complete and ready for our customer, for the most part, there's been some hiccups along the way, but for the most part, that truck is here for our customer. And yeah. that's huge. Uh, when you can when you can rely upon your manufacturer to know that your truck is going to be there for your customer and what you're telling your customer is factual. That hasn't happened uh, in a lot of other situations, okay? <laughs> right. So uh, again, we're still not through it yet. We still have challenges. Uh, hopefully, uh, for the most part, we're through COVID. So the, the human aspect of it, the health aspect of it, I think we're by that. So that's not crippling us at the manufacturing facilities. Uh, but again, we still have those parts challenges yeah. that uh, that find their way of making it ugly for us. <laughs> for sure. Where, 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 are, where are truck costs now and what, what do you foresee in, in the future with all the different challenges that we're kind of facing? Are we, are we still going to be rising truck costs? Are they going to kind of correct themselves, settle down? What do you, what do you think? Yeah. So uh, again, uh, if I had a crystal ball and only looking at what's <laughs> happening today uh, with some of the EPA regulations that we're going to be faced with and some of the equipment that we're going that it's going to take to get there to meet their requirements, it could be a very expensive pro proposition. Uh, and again, like I said, I, I, if I had a crystal ball, but could be 25, could be 40. That's and, and again, uh, you know, you look at you look at the challenges that we face today with the cost of products, let alone adding another, you know, twenty-five or forty thousand dollars to, for, uh, and that's that's anybody and everybody's vehicle. That's not just Daimler for uh, sure, and that's just a, like I said, that's just a guess. Just a guess. Yep. C can you can you dive into that, like the different things that's going on with EPA regulations and so forth and so on? Because a lot of people may not be familiar with what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. So uh, again, uh, just brief overview. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, we have emission standards, EPA standards that we're going to have to meet uh, for 24 and 25. That quite frankly, uh, again, could cause that price increase, uh, and, and also. Uh, and why does it cause the increase in price? Just so people can connect it. Well, there's warranties involved. There's specific uh, criteria that the EPA is requiring uh, the manufacturers to uh, provide and enhance their product with. So again. Uh, 
don't want to get into the political side yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, I got you. Uh, but, but again, uh, you got to keep your eyes open to what's happening. And uh, this isn't, you know, sky is falling pre-buy. You don't want to get into that again. Uh, but everybody should be cognizant and they should be watching and listening to CARB in California because EPA is following the CARB mandate. Mm. Okay. So that would just be my suggestion that, you know, uh, voices need to be heard because as I said to you earlier, the emission, you know, the, the exhaust that's coming out of our equipment today is cleaner than the air we breathe. So, uh, we're, we're looking at the minority, not the majority of the offenders. And, uh, we have, you know, we have a large target on our backs and unfortunately, so, uh, you know, with the EV mandates that are, that are being pushed down, it's creating a lot of, uh, heartache. Uh, we still don't have the infrastructure for our electric vehicles. So, you know, what happens if we don't have charging stations? Right. What happens if, you know, uh, there's other means of powering this equipment that we don't have the resources for. So a lot of, uh, questions that need to be answered, a lot of, uh, uh, information that needs to be uh, shared. And one piece that I would mention is through American truck dealers. Uh, you know, we visit Capitol Hill and we visit with the senators and, and representatives. And we're there to uh, talk about the transportation industry, okay? Because people don't, a lot of people don't really know who we are and what we do. And when we go to uh, Capitol Hill, uh, we'll speak with the representatives, we'll speak with the congressmen, and we'll talk about the challenges that we have, such as federal excise tax, 12%. Uh, it's the oldest tax on the books, okay? Can you explain that for people who don't understand it? Sure, sure. So federal excise tax is a tax that is assessed by the government, and obviously it's on heavy equipment, and it's a 12% fee that you as the buyer are going to be assessed. So that's why I talk about you know, any further enhancements that are being made. So we have a repeal that we're looking uh, for on Capitol Hill to repeal FET. Uh, as I said, it's the oldest tax on the books today, and it goes dates back to World War I. Mm. So we're not looking for a total uh, uh, de- defeat on federal excise tax. Let's talk about it. Let's let's see how we can some common ground. Sure, because again, if we think about federal excise taxes on diesel equipment, well, what happens when we go to electric equipment, <laughs> right? Right. So there's those type of conversations that are being had. So that's the that's the FET uh, piece of it. Uh, the other piece is I use this all the time, and when ATA's road team was on the White House lawn, and the president was actually welcoming it was fedex ups there were a couple of others and this was during the pandemic and they were talking about you know how we were the frontline people yeah well we didn't just become the frontline people <laughs> right okay we've been the frontline people for hundreds of years 70 percent of everything that we touch that we wear that we sleep in whatever has traveled on a truck that's right so Again, I tip my hat to the to the men and women that are in these vehicles 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, because these are the people that are keeping America rolling. And that is why I, I use that analogy, because 
the pandemic just didn't make us frontline people. That's right. That's right. We've been frontline people forever. Yeah. And that's why, as I go back and I say to you, you know, you said, I talk about the customer, I talk about the customer. I do, because quite frankly, it's our responsibility to invest, train, and reinvest in our organizations to be the best that we can be for our customer so we can keep America rolling and so they can keep rolling through America. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So we just kind of touched on EV and and, and it's kind of like inevitable that it's it's coming or it's coming. So what are you doing to prepare for that in terms of like um, your inventory and are, are you looking to source EV product? Like what are you to for the future of mm-hmm. uh, Vantage Truck Group? What's your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, again, we do have plans at uh, installing uh, EV charging stations here and through through our lo- through our locations. Uh, however, uh, here you go. <laughs> we can we can source the charger, but they can't get us electricity <laughs> right. for a year or eighteen months. Right? Okay. And in some cases, and uh, you know, you've had situations where fleets have gone in to build a charging infrastructure, and the electricity demand for that infrastructure is more than the entire town That's that it resides in. I've heard that. Okay? I've heard okay? that. Okay? So, again, uh, you ask preparedness. Absolutely. We are training up our technicians. We are training both in technical and safety because safety is the biggest piece of EV. Okay? Uh, you know, the amperage that you are now uh, being, uh, you know, faced with in the vehicle is far, far, hundred I mean, percent, surpassing what we do today. So again, safety training, technical training, building preparedness. Uh, and when I say preparedness, as far as our bays being uh, tools from a safety standpoint with the equipment necessary, God forbid, should something happen, that we can pull the technician out from the, you know, from the, uh, from the EV. And uh, not be electrocuted yeah. ourselves. So uh, again, making sure that our tow operators are prepared when they're going out to tow one of our electrified vehicles. Uh, there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's 100%. not just a matter of just you know. Like we're talking it. like a whole different world here, man. Yes, you are. <laughs> and and quite frankly, we haven't even talked about the new world and new opportunities, though. So mobile charging. Uh, units. Yeah. Okay, we're we're looking at those as to, you know, what is the cost to uh, facilitate them, and how do we price it? Because we know people are going to run out of electricity on the road. Yeah. We know it. <laughs> we know it. So they've run out of fuel. They sure as heck are going to run out of <laughs> out of electricity. So, uh, from a Massachusetts. Uh, standpoint, we are one of the 15 opt-in states, so we're one of the lucky ones that adopted it first. <laughs> of course. So, uh, needless to say, uh, like I said, without getting into politics, but um, so maybe we'll see them in our container yards, Conley Container Yard in South Boston, which they have some good lobster rolls over there in South Boston. <laughs> so we're gonna check some of those out today. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, needless to say, you know. <clears throat> We're seeing we're seeing early adoption by the state, but not by the customer. Got and it. and remember, the costs are most of the time triple what you're paying for an 
internally combusted engine truck today. Got it. Got it. So, so, uh, so we have we have a lot of uh, smaller carriers that listen to this podcast, right? Do you service smaller carriers as well, like the guys who are like twenty trucks or less, and and how does the experience with them differ from like the larger outfits? Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, we absolutely encourage uh, this build. This business was built. On one customer. That's right. Not thousands. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'd rather have, you know, a hundred or 200 small customers than I would one large customer. So we very much encourage that business. Uh, and again, you know, it's interesting because we have a trailer drop yard just up the top of the hill here. And um, we'll see some drivers in there once in a while trying to grab some sleep or something like that. And I just like to know who's up there, what they're doing. And the sad part about it is, you know, uh, there's nowhere for them to park today. There's nowhere for them to sleep safely today. Yeah. So when I'll go up there, uh, I'll check. And the first thing they say is, you know, we'll move. Uh, really sorry. And, you know, like I say to them, listen, just get some rest. I'm fine. I just need to know that everything's okay up here. It's, it's obviously my property. And uh, But point being is we need parking for these professional drivers. 100%. We need safe parking for these uh, you know, professional drivers. And uh, that's one thing that I can say that uh, you know, we are we are proud of. We do work with the uh, with the small fleets, uh, very much so. And and again, we give them the care, concern, and expertise that we do, whether you're one truck or you're a thousand plus trucks. Yeah. So uh that that does not change with us and and won't change with us quite frankly got it what about in terms of like financing options how, how do you guys look at that do you have different types of financing that you use or can you talk about that yeah so uh you know on the new truck side uh we use Daimler financial services uh which obviously is part of our Daimler group yep uh we like to make sure that uh, all our business uh you know does find its way there first and uh, then we'll use other uh, uh, finance sources, depending upon whether it's a new truck, whether it's a used truck. Uh, again, as we all know, the banks are very competitive today. So, so uh, you know, many people choose uh, the smaller uh, uh, customers choose their own banks. Uh, all we want to make sure of is that uh, we can give them the best deal uh, when it comes to the package. Uh, and I will say to you that uh, this may be a crazy statement for uh, our discussion today, but I have to say it that we may not always be the least expensive dealer to buy a vehicle from. Right. But I can tell you this, 24-7, 365, you speak to a live person here. Uh, you're not speaking to an answering service, and we're going to get you up and rolling, and we are going to take care of you like nobody else does. So that's the dif that's the differentiation. So it's it's not just a uh, you know here's the price I have from this guy can you match it we're really not in that business uh, we're here obviously like I said earlier we have to invest in our business and we have to make money to invest in our business in order to give that cutting edge service and and uh, and care to the to the customer no matter what their size yeah. uh, so uh, from a financing standpoint like I said. Uh, there, there's many options just depending upon the size of the customer. Naturally, credit worthiness today, yep. uh, that's a challenge. Uh, but, but again, uh, just built a new 
select truck center here on the, I call it, I reference the hill. It's uh, <laughs> about 10 acres up on the, uh, uh, on the east side of Route 20. Uh, so select trucks, uh, that, that new facility will be opening uh, here April 1st. Okay. So uh, again, that's the, uh, that's the used truck operation uh, for our facility here in Shrewsbury. Uh, and then we have our own uh, used trucks throughout the network as well. Uh, and again, large uh, municipal base uh, inventory as well because we do uh, we do like that municipal business because that's the business that come home comes home every night when you talk about what are those you know what are the customers that we really like doing business with it's the customers that are local it's the customers that come home every night because that's repeat business that's that's business we're going to see and we need uh, however you still have that transient business whether it be that owner operator running through the the state has a problem or uh, you know, smaller fleet, larger fleet, we have to make that room. We understand that, you know, uh, and, and with Daimler having 40% of the market share, uh, that's, you know, that is a challenge, uh, but we make it happen. Yeah. And uh, when I say challenge, you know, it's just, again, every fourth truck that you see running down the road is a uh, is a Daimler product. So That's right. It's pretty neat. <laughs> pretty neat. That's right. We we were talking about uh, the technicians a little bit earlier, and uh, you know, there, there's just like there's a driver shortage, there's a, there's a technician shortage, right? So you guys saw opportunity, a pain in the marketplace, and you guys are solving that problem. Tell me how that's how that's going for you, and just tell me about the opportunities that are out there for someone listening who maybe they want to enter into this industry via that, right? They want to get in, they want to become a technician first. What are the opportunities there for technicians? Yeah, so let's talk about the technician or just just the industry and its uh, as a whole and and the perception of this industry, right? And we talk about big, bad, and ugly and dangerous. Yep. That's what people perceive the the truck industry to be, and it's just totally the opposite. Like I said earlier, the technology, the safety technology, the braking, uh, roll stability, everything that's built into this truck from a technology standpoint, a safety advancement, uh, that's all enhancing the safety for our, for our professional drivers, for the, for the uh, general public. General public, thank you. Uh, and, and more so, that's what we need to show the young people and their parents today about the opportunities that are in this business. Because I can say to you that th from a technician standpoint, uh, there's six figure people easily today working on these floors. Okay. Uh, there's people that just work with a laptop in the express assessment lane, uh, diagnosing the truck. And just like it's in a hospital, the, the triage of yeah. the, of the patient. Okay. And then it goes off to that technician that's available and, and can handle the, the issue. So it's not what people perceived it was 25, 30 years ago, right? That it was, again, heavy, dirty, dangerous, greasy. You look at the floors here. I mean, <laughs> this is the way we have to keep our facilities because we have professionals that are working within those facilities on our customers' trucks that could be two, three, better thousand, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, they're not going to want to get into a vehicle that has handprints on the wheel, has grease prints on the floor. So um, we have a much different business today than we had 30 years ago. And we, and, and ATG, when I say we, 
our HR group, they're constantly working with the vocational schools, with the vocational high schools, with the post-secondary uh, schools, such as an Ohio Diesel Tech. Uh, those are the, the institutions that we're working with. If it's a high school, we may have people, quite frankly, that we're bringing right from the high school. And <clears throat> they're shadowing during their technical training at the high school here. Uh, and what they do is they shadow through our parts department. They shadow through our service department. They shadow through our accounting department because that person that's coming through that door, they may think they want to be a technician, but when they come through the door and they see the opportunities there, there are in parts. And it's a great place for younger people to start in parts because they're touching that brake chamber. They're touching that foot valve. They're touching that injector. Yeah. So now when the technician is on his laptop, he doesn't come to the back window any longer of a, a counter, right? It's from his laptop and they're filling the order. They know what they're filling. And if they become a tech, they know what they're asking for. Right. So it's a great program. It's a great process. Uh, and it takes a lot of time, patience, and money. However, what we like to do is make sure we incorporate the parents with the students. Because again, as I went, I'll go back to the perception. Perception is that parents want their students to go to college. It's not for everybody. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't, I didn't go to college. I, uh, I actually was self-taught in the industry and uh, surrounded myself with very successful people. And that's how we've been successful today. Yeah. Uh, so the, the technician today, uh, there's several ways of obviously coming into the industry. The Midwest, for example, you know, those kids that are working on farm equipment every day, uh, those are the, those are the great technicians that you find because they're already, you know, they're built for it. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for us here, uh, we're a service community. I mean, we have, you know, the greatest hospitals in the world. We have the the biotechnology companies, the, uh, so we don't have those same opportunities for younger individuals to look at our industry, right? So that's why we have to make sure that we come to them, that we're in front of them. We need to have Daimler in front of them because, you know, if, if we talk about Daimler, for example, with individuals, they know who Daimler is. They don't know who ATG is until we introduce them to right, it. Right. It's Google. It's Microsoft. Okay. It's the sexy companies. But we're just as sexy and actually. All right, guys. Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now let's get back to the show. People make more money here, <laughs> that's, that's okay, right. in that's this right. industry. Yeah. So that's the perception piece. Um, again, we've been very fortunate uh, to grow our business as we have with competent people. As I said, we're always in front of the technical schools, the high schools, the uh, post-secondary schools, and it's a you don't stop. You don't stop. You look at a calendar. You're at a you're at a vocational school or a high school at least 
once a week or twice a month, no doubt, no questions asked. Yeah. You're always shadowing. You're always having students come through and shatter, uh, shadow. So you're keeping people uh, engaged in ATG, in our industry. And again, I didn't mention the sales portion of it too. They, they do, mer- they do uh, go through the sales group as well and work with the sales department to see if that may be a career that they are looking for. Yeah. So it's not just the technician. It's the entire person. It's the entire uh, industry. It's the entire business. We need people for every group uh, or every department there is. It may say ATG on the front, but we're all one, but we have several different departments. Uh, we talk about consolidation, and a lot of people uh, you know, have said that, uh, y- you know, look at what's happening with consolidation. Well, for us, it was the best thing that ever happened because we went from a single roof to multiple roofs, like I said, and it gives our people the opportunity. If and we've had it happen several times that they're living in Massachusetts today, cost of living can be a challenge, so they move up to Vermont or New Hampshire. So we didn't lose the technician that we normally would have if we were a single roof. We would have lost them to a competitor. That's right. So uh, consolidation has absolutely its benefits, and whether that be scale, whether that be Availability of services to your customer. I mean, our customers, they run from the Canadian border right down through Connecticut to the George Washington Bridge, and that's all our area. That's all our area of coverage. So now they literally don't have to worry as they come through New England. We're going to take care of you. That's right. So uh, those are some of the benefits, but I still go back to uh, the people, the people, the people. And, you know, I was one of them too. For years, we listened. There's a shortage coming. There's a shortage coming. And, you know, we were fine. Well, <laughs> that's not the case today. You know, you have attrition. You have people that, unfortunately so, uh, I shouldn't say unfortunately so, you know, they retire. And, uh, again, uh, we need to fill those spots. Yeah. And uh, there's tens of thousands of jobs available in our industry, uh, or hundreds of thousands if you take the the drivers the technicians, your parts people, your your accountants, uh, you know, your sales staff. Uh, so, again, uh, definitely not doom and gloom. We uh, we see some very good prospects, and we've seen some great people come through the door. We're very fortunate for that. We are not a company that poaches. Poaches being, you know, we don't take from another dealer. Right. It's just not the way we do business. It makes no sense uh, because it's only going to happen to us. So that, that is, uh, you know, years back, 20 years back, you had people that would continually coming through your front door looking for a job. Yeah. Uh, so you got to be, you got to be creative. You have to be continually, uh, working on ways to attract that talent. And it all starts with your reinvestment in your business. Like I said, so. Yeah, and it's interesting. What what gave you the idea to do that and bring everything in house? Because I'm sure you guys are pretty unique in in doing this, right? Like everybody doesn't do what you're doing in terms of, you know, going to the schools and and actually bringing people in from high school and starting their career out there, right? Like what what gave you that idea? Had that foresight to be able to say, hey, this is how we're going to get our new talent in. Well, let me say to you, uh, the prior HR group, unfortunately, so. Um, we, uh, it was the uh, definition of insanity. We were doing the same thing over and over again, 
and receiving the same results. Yeah. And that was not finding anybody. So we had to take a good hard look and say, how do we resolve this problem? One of them is Skills USA. Skills USA is a uh, it's a high school collaborative uh, in each state of the country. They have a uh, annual skills competition in Kentucky, and we host Skills USA Massachusetts here in Shrewsbury. Uh, students will actually go through ten stations where there'll be troubleshooting uh, situations with the equipment. There'll also be uh, a handwritten portion of it. There'll be a uh, resume uh, and interview process that they that they're scored on. So staying in front of the high schools that way by again sponsoring the training here. And we have <clears throat> what's pretty unique about that day, and it's coming up here shortly. Uh, we have our people here within the dealership and through the network come in and work that day here with the kids. Cool. So we'll get to talk to them. We'll get to give them, you know, our background, Let them, tell them a little bit about our story, and then we hear their story. And uh, again, highlighting our organization. And more importantly, though, is like I said to you, is we do it because we want to. That's, right. the, that's the big piece of it. Right. Yes, it's a necessity, but there's many things that are necessities that you don't want to do. <laughs> this is one of them. And when I say that, uh, I mean it. We take pride in it. We look to we look to make sure that we provide the the uh, the technical challenge for these high school students here locally. So when they go nationally, they're going to be competitive, and they have been. They've seen that competitive uh, nature of Massachusetts grow, where they've been in the the higher you know one through ten, opposed to forty or ninety or whatever the case. That's self-fulfilling. That's yeah. that that's we're doing we're helping these these men and women, these, you know, the and I don't want to say kids, the, you know, the guys and girls. That yeah. uh and and what's pretty neat to see is the investment they're making in themselves for the industry. Right. Because they're here competing because they want to compete. So uh Skills USA, uh again. Uh, Karen Ward, that's the director here in Massachusetts, she does an amazing job with uh, with the program, and we are so proud to uh, to uh, provide the facility, the people, the equipment, and uh, and then our training director Rob Lines, he uh, he gives four hours of his training time to the technician that is headed on to uh, the national championship. So it gives them a better prep, you know, when I say better preparation, helps them more so be prepared for the nationals. Yeah. So great to see. No, I love it. And, 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 you know, a lot of what you do just seems to really be rooted in the community and, and, and kind of giving back. I know we spoke off, off camera about hauling for, what is it again? Hauling for hunger. Hauling for hunger. Talk to me yeah. about that. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Uh, hauling for hunger began 10 years ago, believe it or not. It's hard to believe that it's been 10 years. And it started with uh, five turkeys that uh, <laughs> we uh, we used to hand out fresh turkeys to our uh, members and managers each Thanksgiving. And we had five left over one year, and uh, we brought them to the Shrewsbury Youth Center. And uh, that was the first year of giving. Okay. And uh, through that, 
we actually, uh, throughout the years, we have uh, been fortunate enough to bring on sponsors, uh, many of them, Unibank being one, Select Trucks, uh, Dennis K. Burke, he's a local fuel hauler. You know, you talk about the vocational business, here yep. you go, you talk about your customer. Uh, Ted Burke and his mom were here this year to deliver meals, okay? okay. That's the type of impact this has on our customers. <clears throat> We had the president. Uh, we had the CFO of Unibank here with his team delivering to our to our community. Okay, it is it is amazing the uh, the the kindness, the caring. It is by my general manager's uh, uh, description of it the best day of the year <laughs> for us, and it is. Yeah, um, it is a day that. Um, we're reaching out to the local community. Today, what we do is throughout all our locations, four times a year, uh, we have uh, deliveries that go to the local food banks. And our members and managers of those dealerships, they choose where they want to deliver that that product, okay? Uh, which we never did before. Uh, it was only here in Shrewsbury. But this year, uh, being its 10th year, uh, we have served over 30,000 meals to the community. Nice. And uh, uh, our director of marketing uh, and uh, her assistant uh, presently, uh, they uh, have done such a great job of, of pulling it together, working with the local, um, the BJ's wholesales of the world, getting the product here. Uh, everything, they have what they call a pick and pack the day before we distribute to the community. Uh, again, we have our members and managers, our customers will come in. Karen Ward, like I said, from Skills USA, she brings her students in for pick and pack. So they're putting bags together for each family. Uh, we had, for example, again, you know, you, you, you think about these customers, Table talk pies, for example. You ever had a table talk pie? No, I haven't. All right. Should well, I? I think you should. But <laughs> uh, but it, anyways, local-based company in Worcester. Okay. All right? Uh, it's now under the management of a gentleman by the name of Cliff Rucker. He owns the Railers hockey team in Worcester. Okay. All right? Uh, done very well for himself in life, but he gets the giving back piece of it. He heard about hauling for hunger. His railers have been involved, but Table Talk never was. Thousand pies this year. Okay. For hauling for hunger. Okay. Which is just it's, it, it's infectious, man. Everybody wants to, it is. wants to come on board. It is. And uh again, it's our opportunity to be able to give back to the community. And it, this goes back to the technicians and and looking for people today, right? And you think about all the articles you read, and it's all about what is it that motivates people today, the young people today? Uh, not just young, middle-aged people as well. And it's, and it's the how the company is involved in the community, what they're doing for the community, what do they do to give back? And I say this to you, Ramal, because it goes back to our, our beginning. We never did any of this, and I still don't. We had NEC 10 TV show up all right, at the Boys Club in Worcester, and they wanted to film me. I said, I don't do that. Uh, <laughs> that's not what it's about. Right. But point being is it's, it's what, you, what you accomplish as a team, what you accomplish together. And 
long before we realized that people, yes, everybody has to make money, but they also, it's not always about money with them. It's about what the company does. What, what good does the company do? Yeah. And we've been doing that for 10 years, long before it was even it was, it was popular, right? Exactly. It was, it was trendy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's not, that's not what it's about here. Yeah. It's not about trend. Yeah. It's about doing the right thing. And right. Uh, like I said, and, and the outreach and, and the community support, when I say the business support, just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. And customers. Like right. I said, your customers want to be part of it. They want to. It's awesome. Got it. Awesome. Got it. Let's switch gears a bit. I want to just talk about the business of being a truck dealership, kind of full service, what you do. What are some of the important things that you, you're looking at to remain profitable? What, what are the things on your spreadsheet that are important to you as a business owner? Well, every, uh, every dealership wants 100% absorption. And that means they want all their overhead covered by their operations. And that's something that we're proud to say we do. Uh, and Again, the sales portion of the business keeps that operations business profitable. Got it. Okay, so it's not always, you know, everybody thinks that the glitz and the glamour is sales. It's absolutely a big part of it. But most importantly, like we always say, you know, the salesman can sell the first one, but the operations side of the business, your parts and service groups, sell the, the next and, and future right. of those. So, uh, again, uh you know, that's why the automotive world, you know, what they've been through with what they, you know, what they call allocation today. There's only so many vehicles that each dealer gets that, that are new. Same, same situation that we have. I mean, we're on allocation. Uh, we only can get so many vehicles. However, our operations side of the business has always been strong. Okay. And most truck dealers have always had very strong operations businesses that it wasn't totally concentrating on the new truck sales. So for us, um, yeah, has this been easy? Absolutely not with allocation. However, uh, we have we have the, the, the strength, the backbone through our operations divisions to get us through these critical times. Whereas the automotive dealer, quite frankly, their absorption rates are, you know, 60, 70% where mm. everything was concentrated on new car sales and new vehicle sales opposed to the back end of the business like we have. Right. So, uh, again, you know, the, uh, the big piece of it today is the reinvestment. You know, we're reinvesting hundreds of thousands of dollars a year back into our businesses to make sure that we, like I said to you earlier, you know, we have the equipment, we have the personnel, uh, we have to be ready. We, you know, it's like I've, I, I, I speak to Daimler and say, listen, guys, we need to make sure we've, we've never been aligned better than we are today. Because if you're going right, we have to be going right with you. We don't <laughs> want to be going left. Right. Because the amount of money that we're reinvesting in our businesses through consolidation, through training, through technology, through new product, it's, uh, it's a real challenge. Uh, so, again, we... Uh, we're very fortunate to be aligned with the manufacturer that we are. Like I said, from we've been a Freightliner dealer from day one. I don't have Peterbilt. I don't have Mac. I don't have Kenworth. We've always concentrated on the Daimler product. Mm -hmm. And and I think today that's why you see also, you see so many dealers 
now they are only concentrating on one product because the, the technology is so different in each other manufacturer's product. You can't conceivably run multiple brand dealerships and and be effective as right. you are concentrating on the one brand. Got it. So uh, that's that's what I see today in the business. Got it. What, what's the most profitable part about your business? So again, uh, the parts business parts. Is, a, is a large portion of our business. Uh, again, uh, other than the obviously revenue that's generated top line from a truck sale. Yeah. So, uh, and like I always say, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. So, um, but again, you know, I said it earlier, when we started in the road business, we were unique. Now it's just the same. Everybody has it, right? <laughs> uh, as I've always said, we need to, uh, we as organizations, we need to differentiate ourselves because anybody, you know, anybody can come in and look at that Freightliner product or look at this Western Star product. Uh, yes, proprietary, we have our proprietary product in, in, these, in these vehicles. But other than that, um, what do you offer the customer? What do you have to offer the customer? And okay. what? What's the proprietary product? I'm sorry, just a engine okay. transmission. Yeah. Uh, so you have a vertical drive line. You know, you have your own proprietary front axle. You have your own drive axle. So uh, again, uh, that's the proprietary side of it. Got it. But you know, again, successful future is uh, differentiating yourself from the rest. It's like I I talk to our vice president of network sales, and we talk about, we equate it to the customer future state uh, sees a piece of equipment as a tool. So uh, the owner operators look at it differently because for them, this is their office. This is their pride, okay? And, and not that I'm saying that the tool isn't pride, but my point being is the customer looks at, the, the larger customers look at this in a much different way perspective than the owner operators okay mm. uh, whereas we have to provide the value and we still do for the owner operators I, I guess what I'm saying is the value proposition again that goes to differentiation how do we differentiate ourselves how do we take care of that tool better than our competitors yeah and that's that that is the piece that I see for the future that we have to continue to enhance and work on as does our manufacturer I mean, that's why we develop new product. That's why we develop new technology. Sure. We have to differentiate ourselves. And we as the as we as the dealer have to do the same. Got it. Started with twelve thousand dollars. What have you learned over the last thirty plus years being in business as an entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah. It's like I uh like I always say, I've scunned my knees with the best of them. <laughs> it's how you it's how you make up for it when you do. And I, I I joke about that and I laugh about it, but I got to tell you what, I'll tell you a quick story that's God's honest truth. Uh, so 1995, uh, you were ordering trucks 18 months in advance, similar to what we've been faced with, with allocation and such, right? Through yeah. the pandemic. But back in 1995, we didn't have a pandemic. So you had, you had to order your trucks 18 months in advance. Well, the factories all of a sudden loosened up and they had all the capacity in the world. Well, 
they shipped all those trucks. Now, remember, I said I began our dealership in 1990. Yeah. 1994, we became a sales dealer. So I only had one year of training as a, <laughs> as a sales dealer, okay? Got it. Got it. And uh, on Route 9, like I said to you in that building, we had classic 64-inch mid-roof long hoods. They were 132s at the time. We had M2 white tractors. And when they were lined up down the highway because we had we had to use all the space we could because, remember, we had trucks just rolling in that were supposed to be out months, years, okay? Right. And it looked like a piano when you drove up the street. And uh, the, that that cycle of the truck business almost put us out of business. Mm. Floor plan back then, now this is 1995, Thirty to $50,000 a month. We weren't generating that kind of revenue. Right. It was, we almost, like I said, uh, it was, I clearly remember it. I had my son, Trevor, who's 29 today, was two. My daughter, 31 today, was four. Uh, and I was wondering how we were going to make it. Mm. And like I was mentioning to you when we began here this morning, you know, I'm a guy that likes to, uh, I like my, my hands in the business. Uh, and I'm a guy that doesn't give up. And I wouldn't give up. And had I given up, may have been a different story where I ended up, right? Yeah. But uh, point being is uh, today I can tell you we will never order 18 months in advance, <laughs> okay? Uh, maybe we're a little more conservative than the average, probably because of what happened when right. your life is on the line right? and uh, your livelihood and everything that you built with your own hands is almost ready to go. Yeah. It's a it's a humbling experience. For sure. And uh that's what I carry with me today. Like I said to you, that's why uh you know my my saying here is we all put our pants on the same way in the morning. That's okay? right. Okay. And right. don't ever forget that. That's right. When something like that happens, man, what 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 do you what do you what's your go to? How how what, who do you who do you turn to? What do you turn to to get yourself over that hump, to persevere, to be resilient? Well, uh, let me say, that's why I go back to when I said to you, Daimler Truck Finance, right? We went to Daimler and said, "How you going? We get, we need your help." Mm. And that's why they're the go-to today. Yeah, and that's why they've been our partner for thirty plus years. Yeah. Uh, again, they they are a proprietary finance company, which means they obviously finance our product and others as well. But again. Uh, Point being is they know our business, uh, any bank, and not that I'm saying it's any they would be doing anything wrong, but they wouldn't have weathered the storm with us the way our own proprietary finance company did. Yeah, so. yeah got it. Are you able to share your revenues? Really, that's one thing that uh, you, you let, me, let me say this to you. Uh, we're a quarter of a billion dollar company today. Okay. And uh, like I say, think about where we started. It's amazing, so, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. That. I love stories of, you know, entrepreneurs who just really and, and it's just amazing that you you started at twelve years old. Well, three well, you six sixth grade. Yeah, sixth grade. <laughs> yep. Sixth grade and you and you stayed the course and you knew what you wanted to do then. And look at you now, still doing the same thing and loving it and giving back and helping others. That's what's most important. And I think and I think that's what it is. You see yourself in these young kids, right? And you're mm -hmm. like you know, no doubt. Yeah. And, I, and I, I say it to them each and every day when I see them and I say it to everybody, you know, you can be who you want to be. 
It's just how, you know, what you're going to do to get there. Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about, you know, you hear everybody talk about the work ethic of the younger people today. Okay. I, I don't, I don't totally agree with that. And what I don't totally agree with is I, I don't think it's the work ethic. I think it's what, what their priorities are. And their priorities weren't working 23 hours a day, 24 hours a day, like we had to do, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you want to, if, if you can afford to and uh, you can provide a quality of life for your family that you're happy with, then that is, that's fine. Yeah. You know, we, again, that goes back to my point about how do you attract people? Well, you need to know who you're attracting and how you're going to uh, attract those people and what what's going to attract those people. Uh, and quite frankly, spoke to my chief people officer this week or last week talking just about that. Now you're reading that people want to work part-time, 30 hours a week. Well, yeah. you know something? If that's, if that's what they want to do, we can't change that. <laughs> right. We got to figure out a way that that, that, we work that schedule into our system, yeah, all right? Yeah. If it's two instead of one, if it, we have to figure it Gotta out. Go with the flow, man. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, sitting there and saying, I can't believe this or, you know, look at, no. Right. Because here's the other phrase or comment I make, that we can't shut our business down for a year or two to, bring people up to speed and then open the business again. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Can't happen. Right. So we got to figure it out for sure. And that's our job. Yeah. And that's, that's what we hire people to do. And that's what my job is as well. Right. Um, so we have to keep the business sustainable and got keep it. it sustainable for America. For sure. What's on the horizon for advantage truck group? What, what's in the, the, the near future, next three to five years, what are the plans? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're going to continue uh, to look for opportunities, uh, and 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 when I say opportunities, um, locations that are close to interstates because that works very well for us. Uh, we will continue to grow uh, organically, is what I really would like, and we continue to see happening. Uh, like I mentioned to you with our new Rainham facility uh, here in Shrewsbury, we thought we were going to. Uh, be losing a great portion of our parts business or portion of our parts business to Raynham. Uh, our team here in Shrewsbury has amazingly kicked butt organically and, and with that capacity has gone out and found other customers to sell to. So it's okay. amazing when you have that, you know, uh, when, when you have people that are incentivized that right. they find new business one way, you know, <laughs> one, one way, way or the other. Yeah, so, for sure. uh, so again, we we want to grow and grow profitably. We're not going to grow foolishly. We're not going to, like I always say, need to make sure we have our cookie money for those slow times or those bad times, right? That's right. So we always keep our keep ourselves uh, focused on that, but more so just focusing on our network today and building a larger, uh, like I said, organic network before we go out to just consolidate. Yeah. So. Uh, continuously improving, continuously improving, continuously improving. That's what we we have to do. Yeah. Do you encourage people all over the country to come and work with you guys? Because I mean, we're a national podcast. So if someone's in California, someone's in 
Colorado, wherever, would you encourage them to come see you guys and how would they connect with you? Yeah. So, uh, again, they go to our website. There's our employee page, our employment page. Uh, you'll hear from somebody here within minutes. I guarantee you that. Uh, and, and we encourage if somebody is moving here to New England, uh, please, uh, reach out. We absolutely have a job for you. Uh, and, and when I say that, as we mentioned before, Rommel, that it's not just a technician. We look for everybody. We look for quality. And, and again, a young family that's coming here, coming this way, uh, we need to train you. We'll train you up. We'll, you know, uh, we have people that work for pools, pool companies before. They're parts directors in our organization today. Okay. So they Got didn't it. start their career in the, in the transportation business or in the dealer business. Uh, we encourage anybody that would like to talk to us to reach out. Yeah. I love that. Well, amazing, amazing story. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, traditionally here on the show, we always have a final thought, mm -hmm. which is something that could be spiritual, entrepreneurial, anything you want to leave the audience with. And just lastly, let everybody know where they can connect with you, whether it's the website. I think you kind of just said where they can find you. Yes. So we can skip that because you did that already. Yep. Um, but just a final thought and just whatever you want to leave the audience with and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. You know what I want to leave the audience with? And I thought about it uh, earlier. Uh just your organization and yourself, uh, so it's, it's so powerful to come out and talk to the industry, okay? Again, I go back to people don't know us. People need to know us. Uh, America needs to know us. And I'm not talking ATG. <laughs> I'm talking the industry, yeah. okay? And I appreciate what you're doing. And uh, really, anytime, anywhere, any day, you want to pick up the phone. We want to talk. Talk to me because I, I love what you're doing. Uh, I love what the group's doing. And thank you very much for doing what you're doing. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, Hustle Fam. If you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. You know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it's only a desire. Myself, ATG, Advantage Truck Group, Kevin Holmes, we are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go!